day and welcome back to the ARM Viewpoints podcast. Our episode today is the future of infrastructure. And as it's a very hot topic right now, we're lucky enough to have a guest who is at the forefront of data infrastructure innovation, Chris Berge, Senior Vice President and General Manager of the Infrastructure Line of Business at ARM. And his organization is responsible for the proliferation of ARM-based solutions throughout the data infrastructure of today and tomorrow, from cloud computing to the network edge. And we're very excited to have him here today. Welcome, Chris. Jeff, it's a pleasure to be here with you. So Chris, maybe we can start by just exploring what is ARM's role in infrastructure? Maybe you can tell us a bit about that. For ARM, we think about infrastructure being everything from high performance computing, which is you know the world's largest supercomputers that have even played a role in, in creating some of these COVID vaccines that we're starting to see distributed, um, to traditional data centers or really cloud-based data centers. And then to the edge, including you know, networking infrastructure, which has moved more and more to software defined, as well as you know, things like 5G and, and obviously what an what a essential role 5G has, has become. Um, you can imagine that all of, all of those categories of, of infrastructure um, have a lot of compute in them. And ARM has been uh, played a role, a differing role in different markets for quite some time. But I think that ARM is, is quickly coming to the forefront in almost all of those markets. So how did ARM get started in it and, and why? What was the impetus? Well, so ARM has, uh, you know, a 30-year history of, of building performant and very power efficient processors. And, um, you know, we've had, you know, it's almost been a decade of actually um, taking the ARM processors that are quite prevalent in today's smartphones or IoT devices and looking at how can we scale those up into some of the more performant markets like HPC, high-performance computing, and, and data centers. Um, and so that's really the, the journey that we've been on most recently. And, um, you know, it's something that we've gotten quite a bit of success most recently around, um, you know, I think AWS has been quite vocal about their use of ARM in infrastructure with they first had done a Graviton processor and now they have the Graviton 2 processor that they're offering and um, and have landed some pretty impressive customers between Twitter, Formula One, Snap, Lyft, and many others. Um, but, it, but and that largely started from AWS actually buying a startup called Annapurna back in uh, 2016 that was basically starting to try to drive this, uh, this idea of ARM into infrastructure or into data centers. Um, and around the same time, we also had a, a company called Ampere uh, startup in, in Silicon Valley that was funded and, uh, and started also to make some success around getting ARM into infrastructure. And today uh, we have partners such as Oracle and others that have announced their intentions to use Ampere uh, processor. So it's been a long time, but um, we're really excited about, about the progress. And um, back in 2018, we actually made a, uh, an announcement of kind of ARM's investment in this space. And we branded a new line of products called ARM Neoverse. And we, at that time, launched our first two platforms, which was the N1 and the E1 uh, of ARM and Neoverse. And since then, we've uh, actually announced some some follow-on generations. But it, it's really been a, a long journey, as I mentioned. Yeah, and it sounds like impressive results on the journey so far. Now I'm going to pull the lens back a bit and ask you about um, how you see the state of the world's data infrastructure right now. 
That's a great question. Uh, you know, today infrastructure is as essential as it's ever been. And I think we've kind of gone, especially seen that over this last year plus where uh, we've gone through COVID-19 and what did it mean to go to school from home or work from home? And what's been amazing for people and myself included is just how well the computing infrastructure, the communications infrastructure has been able to basically keep up with that demand. And so there's a couple interesting uh, kind of underlying underpinning reasons for that. Um, one is, is that infrastructure has continued to become more software defined. And what the real value of it being software defined is the portability. So this idea of what type of requirements are on the infrastructure can qu change quite rapidly. And in fact, change in ways that we would not have really foreseen, uh, you know, pre-COVID, COVID-19. So really being software defined and having that flexibility is definitely been key. The, the second part of infrastructure computing today is how really more and more of the computing is, is moving towards trying to, to move it towards where the, where the data is happening, which you'll hear people talk about edge computing or, you know, this idea of uh, computing out at the edge of the network versus uh, let's say more of a monolithic approach. And, uh, and that's something that is, is quite near and dear to our hearts because when you're actually doing edge computing, um, things like power consumption as well as you know custom compute or really compute to focus on that specific workload uh, are both two strong points of arm and, and a big part of how we see the infrastructure evolving going forward. And you talk about edge computing there. Another big component around that, of course, is 5G. So we've heard a lot about 5G for years and the impact that it'll have on the world. So is it finally taking off? Well, I, you know, I think that it's not a destination, it's a journey, as you've kind of highlighted. And, and for sure, there's, uh, you know, a considerable amount of 5G uh, installations that have heard, happened. And, you know, on your phone, you can see that at times you're attached to a 5G tower. Uh, but 5G has a lot of different underlying technologies. And what you're just starting to see is some of the 5G technologies that are potentially some of the more transformational technologies. And those are things like millimeter wave, which provides you um, relatively uh, short distances, but can give you very high bandwidth when you talk about you know gigabit or above type speeds. We have a whole evolution that's happening in what would be called the um, the kind of the mid band or kind of the sub six gigahertz band where, you know, traditionally uh, cellular bands were mostly th sub three gigahertz. And now we're moving into kind of the sub six gigahertz band, which um, puts a lot of pressure on actually the compute requirements, uh, because generally it's pretty hard to move things around like cellular towers. We, we've, we've put those that have been in the in the ground for quite some time. And so we try to use computing to overcome some of the facts that the, you know, the propagation at those higher frequencies is much more difficult. And so we're looking at using a lot of additional computing to create the, allow those signals to travel at, at a, you know, at a far distance with a lot of, um, uh, with a lot of data being able to be in, in, encapsulated inside of it. So uh, there's a lot of different movements around 5G. And then there's also quite a bit of discussion around uh, some new concepts around things like private networks, 
uh, and kind of other business models that people are looking at uh, enabling around 5G. So it, it is a, it's kind of a, a barge wrapper of a whole set of, of technologies. But I think, yes, we're starting, we're starting to see the, the beginnings of it, but I would say it's very much the early innings. And really some of the more exciting transformational stuff is yet to be deployed. So, and as you move towards that, what role do you see infrastructure playing in making it more mainstream? You know, there, there's definitely a lot of new use cases that are being discussed. Um, everything from, you know, connected devices or connected IoT devices, uh, ideas of how healthcare uh, and other types of technologies could take advantage of this proliferation of connectivity. And then, of course, the autonomous everything, whether that's autonomous vehicles, autonomous robots, uh, really trying to solve this kind of last mile problem for delivery of humans and, and other and other goods, as well as there's, uh, you know, different types of, of models that are coming up relative to how that how that equipment is procured, whether that be, you know, through a traditional supply chain of, of large telecom providers or some of the new open models that are coming out around things like open RAN, where the idea of, you know, 5G gear can be provided more with a kind of a white box approach. So a lot of different angles that are, that are being looked at. But the one thing that's pretty common is, again, this idea of software portability that I mentioned before. And so moving the software to be portable, which generally means making it being cloud native, um, is allowing for this software defined edge where you can start moving around these workloads uh, based on the requirements, either from a workload point of view, from a cost point of view, from a power point of view. Um, so we see more and more of that being driven as well as a, as a big initiative of how you deploy 5G. And that sounds like a great segue to talking about today's announcement of the launch of Neoverse V1 and Neoverse N2 platforms. Can you tell us a bit more about both of those? Sure. So N1 was our first processor that I mentioned that's being used by AWS Graviton2 and also Ampere Ultra and, and many other kind of embedded design wins. And so we, we, it was a great start for us and really started to open up people's eyes and the types of performance that N1 could deliver, you know, very much in line with what was seen with from traditional architecture performance. So what we're really excited about is with V1 and N2 is we really feel like we're taking that to the next level. And so V1 is really about performance and it's designed for high performance computing for the cloud and with a real focus towards some of these new AI and ML or uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning assisted workloads. And so the focus is really processors being able to crunch all that data as quickly as possible. And we're really excited about some of the V1 um, initiatives that we've had. It's actually our first core to offer scalable vector extensions, which we call SVE. And this provides a, a real uplift relative to vector performance. And this is also being seen quite a bit in the HPC world where they're pairing that with very high bandwidth memory and even potentially high bandwidth um, HBM memory. Uh, as well. And so we've we've got a lot of interest from the hype HPC market, everything from CyPearl in the, the European uh, Semiconductor Consortium. We've got Etri in Korea, as well as uh, we've recently also announced that uh, METI in India 
Um, so all three of those uh, country initiatives have announced support uh, and product plans around using V1 in their domestic HPC device. And then that kind of brings us to N2. And so N2 is it plays in a, a broad range of use cases. Uh, again, continuing on the theme of ARM being able to provide this really this really nice sweet spot of power but performance and and the amount of performance that we can pack into a very high density SOC. So for example, scaling of up to 128 cores in a, in a single device. And this whole scalability of these uh, independent cores is something that's been quite successful relative to how the hyperscalers are thinking about building their, their business and how they're providing all of these user applications with, uh, with systems that people basically rent these cores or you know, rent cycles on these cores is, is, is the fundamental building block for cloud computing. And so really the fact that we're able to offer this high density of cores that are still very, very performant in a given power envelope is quite powerful for their business and, and their business metrics, as well as the way they can price and provide those solutions uh, to, to, their, to their end customers. We're seeing N2 being used in, as a preferred core for much of the, the 5G build out, as I mentioned, kind of in, in, in both networking as well as in the 5G components, such as RAN and baseband. In fact, uh, Marvell, Technologies has announced that they'll be using the N2 part for uh, both in data center deployments in their DPU as well as in their next generation RAN Octeon device. So really excited about the, the traction that we're getting there. And again, that's really what ARM has been known for is this, this real beautiful balance between high performance and it really unlocks the amount of computing that you can provide in the most dense designs or the designs that are closest to the edge that have a, a very severe and very difficult power envelope. And then the other thing that we are providing is we're also providing a interconnect, what we call CMN 700, which allows this high density cores to be performant. So, you know, not only do you have, you know, this, these, these large number of cores, but be able to put them in a, in a fabric that allows uh, the, the system for them to all perform well still in that system, sharing uh, the system memory and, and the other system uh, components. Finally, how do you see infrastructure changing in the future and what impact will it have on the rest of computing? So I think of infrastructure as really the silent backbone across many of the technological advancements that you're going to see you know, today and kind of going forward. And, and that's everything from drug discovery, as I kind of mentioned, to the fact that you know, people expect connectivity and people expect uh, you know, whether it's internet access or whether it's um, access to cloud computing, uh, you know, it's almost become as essential in our lives as, you know, electricity and, and, and how we feel about when electricity goes away and kind of some of the inconveniences there. I think we feel very similarly about many of the infrastructure services, technological infrastructure services that, that we get. So it becomes a, a really essential service. And, and yet it's a service that continues to grow tremendously because of the, the opportunities and the new applications. And again, those are many applications that 
that that are really important to us and and deeply shape our lives. Um, obviously, healthcare is one that you know comes up a lot in in kind of how we uh, you know how do we visit a doctor, how do we interact with experts, um, and how do we deal with you know things like our elderly and you know is there better ways that we can use data uh, sensors. Um, assistance, autonomy, all these types of technologies to, you know, make, make life better and, and, and make life more efficient or, or manage costs for, for some, in some of these areas. So, um, you know, I just see it as this silent backbone, as I mentioned, that really allows uh, greatness to happen on top of it. And, but, but the common denominator is, is that, uh, you know, I think whatever amount of compute that we're able to provide, you know, the applications will expand to, you know, utilize all that and ask for more. And so we need to be continuing to look at how do we continue to build a more performant and more efficient uh, computing infrastructure. And that is what ARM is very focused on. And, uh, and we think we're doing quite well there, but we're really excited about what the future holds because we think uh, many of the transformational technologies like ML and AI are just starting to, um, you know, just starting to kind of scratch the surface of what we're going to see going forward. Thanks so much for that, Chris. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot more about where these innovations and in infrastructure are going to take us. We look forward to bringing you more news in the next episode of ARM Viewpoints and look forward to connecting with you all again soon. Thanks for listening today. 